Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Gas Street. I heard that this church doesn't throw tomatoes or boo preachers off the stage. So I feel like I've been, you know, reliably um, comforted by Tim and Rachel. We um, come from a church in, Light, in Litchfield called Life Church. So greetings. You guys are not strangers to us. You might not know it, but we come to your churches. We come to your conferences. We watch you. There's somebody from Life Church watching you this morning. I can assure you. Not because I'm here, but because they do anyway. Um, I am deeply honored to be here. I know you say you're honored, Tim, but I'm deeply honored. And I, I wasn't going to share this, but I'm just going to touch on it before I go into my preach. That, that long-term connections is what I'm talking about today. And, and um, a few years ago, um, me and my family, we just went through a bit of trauma. There's nothing more traumatic than church trauma, I'll say, because I've got the mic. And I just think that we went through such a tough time. And I think part of me was... Um, I do have a big mouth, that's my problem. My husband says to me here, I call him my long-term suffering connection. And he says to me, Leah, you talk for the family. Pull it down? Okay, just come down and just adjust it if you think I'm not doing it right. Is that right? Okay. So he says to me, Leah, you talk to the family, but I think for it. So if I say in the next few minutes when I, anything that you're not happy about it, remember, I'm just the mouthpiece. <laughs> Take it up with Nelson. But most seriously, take it up with the Lord. Um, so when we went through that traumatic time, two things happened to me. I am somebody who's deeply ingrained in the whole scripture, and justice runs through me. I had an opportunity to just turn the other cheek, but I spoke truth to power, thinking it would turn out differently, and it didn't. Two things really broke me in that time, is that I used to hear Zoe singing every single morning, and that would be my alarm clock and her voice was silenced. For a year, Cookie never stepped into a church, and I would call her and say, Cookie, did you go to church today? And she'd be like, no. The next week, I'll be like, Cookie, did you go, go to church today? She'd be like, no. And the more weeks went by, the more I began to think, did I do the right thing? And then one day, she says to me, Mom, I went to this church called Gas Street, and um, Rachel, I don't know where you are, Rachel, she spoke directly into a situation that we'd been praying for for Cookie. And she said to her, Cookie, this is your church. Mind-wise, she wouldn't have really conceived it. But how many years later is she here? So I just want to say I am super grateful because as a mom, there's nothing more that I love to do than to see my children flourish in the house of the Lord. And, that's, and that is for you guys as well because there's an old African um, proverb that says it takes a whole village to raise a child. So it's just not the leaders, it's the fabric of the place. So an incredible series, Rachel setting us off the store weeks ago, why we need connection. Michael, I don't know where Michael is, like blew my socks off, friendships. Tebo, you know, get preparing ourselves for, and I got increasingly and increasingly nervous. Last week, Tim is talking about overcoming this. I'm like, what is there to talk about? And literally, I, be kind to me. I, I didn't sleep today. I want to introduce you to my friend who's turned sister, and her name is Kyla. 
Kyla is the Director of Justice of Environment in New York. She lives in New York. But I've known Kyla for 47 years. Yes, take out your age calculators. <laughs> I met Kyla for, I've known Kyla for 47 years. I met her when I was four. Two snotty girls in the playground. One of us is calm, collected, very patient, and the other one's a little bit of a fireball. I'll let you decide. <laughs> Which one is which? I remember when we were eight years old and I picked a fight with the strongest girl in the class, biggest in structure, and I told her, wait till Kyla comes. She will whoop your behind. Never, ever fought before. Good at starting a, start, a fight, never really good at finishing one. Kyla has seen me through the worst and the best of who I can be. She's um, been somebody who's carried me through so much trauma. She is a godmother to one of my girls. She was there when Cookie was born. Kyla also backed me in sports day shenanigans. For some reason, I wanted to be a sports captain, so they made me a sports captain. I don't know how, how they did it. I can't run to save my life. That's okay. I can't run to save my life. And Kyla, I made a pact with her. Every time I was losing, I would faint. And, and so it was her job. Shall I take this off? Because I can hear an echo. No? Yeah? I'll keep going. So, it will work. <laughs> so today I'm going to take us through long-term connections. What does it mean to have long-term connections? How do people manage to have a longevity of relationships like my friend Kyla? There's a danger, though, in thinking it's so simple because I give a snapshot of funny stories in two minutes of 47 years' worth of blood, sweat, tears, and commitment. It's important here that I'm not talking about uh, relationships where you're staying, where you're abused. If you're in this place and you're feeling that you're emotionally, physically being traumatized, there's leaders here that you need to talk to. If you're online, get in touch with gas street moderators. They will take you where you need to be and they will signpost you. Today I'm talking about general life-term connections. It could be friendships, marriages you know, family, all the stuff that we need, all the people that we need to do life together. So if I were to ask you, what do you desire to get out of a long-term relationship? What would you say? Most often than not, our attitude would be, oh, I want a loyal friend. I want somebody who gets me. And the latest one, Tim, I want somebody who really looks and, 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 and he, they really appreciate my boundaries. And, but more often than not, we don't approach that question with, who do I need to be in that relationship? in order for me to become long-term connected to be. None of us, I think, I can just take a straw poll. Do we answer this question with, I want to be somebody who respects other people's boundaries in that relationship. I want to be the one who prays for people. I want to make sure that I'm slow to speak and listen more to my friends. We are all wired for connections, as Rachel told us. You see, and, and, and when we look at things like this over time, I realize that, you see, with the benefit of time, I am of the vintage age. All my vintage ladies, no. So I think that, <laughs> so I think that for me, I think I've got the benefit. You can only truly appreciate or qualify long-term connections with the benefit of hindsight. Why? Because we live life forward and we only truly adjust it or evaluate it in hindsight. Sustaining long-term relationships will require us to go beyond ourselves, beyond, our, beyond our, our comfort, beyond our cultural system and nuances, and get to work in order for those relationships 
to work. It will require self-awareness, Tebo told us, objectivity and openness to learn. As a people, we are default to evaluating people by what they're doing. They said, what? What did Rachel say? What did Rachel do? And yet, if we use that same measure on ourselves, we expect those people to evaluate us on our intention. Well, that's not what I meant. When I said that, that's not what I meant. Imagine a world where if we saw something we didn't like, the first thing we defaulted to was, I wonder what they intended to say. I wonder what Leah intended to say when she came with her technology this morning on the 22nd of May, 2022. Imagine that world. The Lord brought me with a simple word today. Well, simple enough for me to get into the story of Ruth and Naomi. A very well-known story, very short book. If you have time today, you will finish it in an afternoon. Go and devour it. It's a profound story from start to finish. The theology of Ruth, though, is a template of a far larger issue when you first read it. It's loaded with shadows, it's loaded with types, and points all the way. It's got a lot of background and histor historical data that feeds into a panoramic view of the life and fulfillment of Jesus Christ. A famine arises in Bethlehem in Judah. A guy called Elimelech leaves with his wife Naomi and goes to Moab for survival. He hears in Moab there's more food than where he is, and he's a strategist He takes his wife and they go. They don't intend to stay in Moab for a very long time, but they end up staying there for 10 years. He dies, Elimelech dies in Moab, and now Naomi is left in a foreign land with two sons. The sons die, and so now this woman is left with a dead husband, two dead sons, in a, in a space of 10 years, she's lost every man that she's ever loved. Frustrated, she makes up her mind and she says, I'm out of here. I'm going back home. I hear it's going good over there, so I'm going to go. And this is where we're going to find the scripture in Ruth 1 and in verse 8. I'm a very fast reader, so take out your technology, brace yourself, and let's go. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's home. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you and be with your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who you'd grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than they are for you. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. 
so that the two of them continued on their journey. And when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is that really Naomi? The women asked. So we drop down to verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied um, with her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Lord, I pray that I may decrease and you increase. I pray that your word will touch your people in ways like never known before. I pray, Lord, that every word that you want to speak, may I be a vessel that you could use. In Jesus' name, amen. Opa. Let's park an opera a little bit. Opa's not my preach. But sometimes you would have done everything that you need to do. And Pastor Tim, you talked about it last week. It is our responsibility. It is our responsibility first to step out. But sometimes you can do all that needs to be done. And people will still want to leave. Opa walks away. Can I just say, Becky, there will be some people who will want to leave you. And sometimes when you've done all that needs to be done, you need to let them go. That sometimes it is easier to just bless them, kiss them, wish them well, and let them go. Because there is nothing within yourselves that you can check that you can do to make people stay. Nobody who was ever tied to your destiny ever left. Nobody. God is God is in control of all these things. So if, if those people choose to go, then you need to be at peace and say, bless you, may the Lord keep you, may his face shine upon you, and let them go. But that's not why I'm here. Longevity and connection is more about the journey than you think. People leave because they're not joined to us, to us destiny, and if they're not joined to us, like I say, you're not even super gluing them to the chair will make them stay. Ruth, on the other hand, she comes across to the crossroads and she looks at Naomi and she says, no, I'm not going anywhere. As long as the Lord lives, I am going to stay. Occasionally in the Bible, you will see people who are not joined together, not even related, spending time in the most of intimate ways. And they are committed to that relationship. How do you explain Elisha leaving his mother and father to go and serve Elijah? How do you explain the intimate relationship between Moses and Joshua? What about Timothy leaving everything that he ever knew to go and hang out with Paul at a prison cell? The truth is this, if we are humble and we are open to the Holy Spirit, he will reveal those people that he has placed in your lives that are going to go the distance with you because they are connected to your destiny and your future. The Holy Spirit can reveal and will reveal to us if we ask, Lord, who are the people that I'm connected with? Is this the church, Lord? Is it Tim Hughes, Lord? And you will turn up and have an attitude where you say, it doesn't matter what happens. There is something about you. There is something about you that challenges me. There's something about you that changes me. You and I are gonna go the distance. So if you were taking notes today, I think you've seen the title up there. The title of the talk is Attitude Adjustment. 
They will continue. There's a requirement for continuous attitude adjustments in our relationships. Me and Kyla are not the two snotty four-year-olds that we met. Imagine if we treated each other like we were four and we are in our 50s. Kyla and I have gone through the most difficult of complexities. So two minutes, very easy um, snapshot of a, of a relationship that's 47 years should not make you feel that this thing is easy. But who said the life that God has given us is going to be easy? It stretches us and it grows us and growth hurts. Naomi and Ruth, very unlikely duo. First, let's talk about the complexities of their relationships. You see, Ruth's husband is dead, and Naomi is her mother-in-law. Now listen, I'm not knocking mother-in-laws. I'm going to be a mother-in-law in a few weeks. But we are cut from very special cloth. <laughs> we are. We are. Ruth, however in that complexity, stays with Naomi. On paper, using very logical deductions, you can say there are valid reasons why these two shouldn't have stayed together and why they shouldn't have gone the distance, but they did. Let's look at them very quickly. The first complexity I see is that they had a divergence of belief. Ruth is a Moabite. Ruth is a Moabite. She believed in her many gods, and while Naomi was believed in the God of Israel, you see, the thing is this, how many of us are living our lives to an extent where people in the world look at us and say, there is something about you that I want, and therefore I'm going to walk with you. This older woman must have had a big impact on this young lady for her to say, I'm going to come with you. That, you know, you need to be, how many of us are living our lives so secure to know ourselves in God, that we demonstrate Jesus and how we outlive our purposes in the relationships, not in this room only, but in the relationships in the world. Because actually, this is 30 minutes of our time together and you're more out there than you are in here. How many of us are doing that to a point where the world is looking at us? Because I can tell you this, that you are the Bible. Some of, for some people, you'll be the only Bible that they read, not by what you say, but how you live your life. The world should be able to look at your life just as Ruth looked at Naomi's and said, I want your God to be my God. The second complexity I see was there was a diversity in culture. Now, <laughs> uh, it's easier to maintain long-term relationships with people who are like us, people who feel familiar, people who feel safe. Uh, Pastor Tim. I'm looking because I just know that I came in here to be in everybody's business. You see, at times we are resistant to connect with people who don't look like us, who are not familiar like us, and our phrase is like, well, that's just not who we are. Respectfully, who's we? Who's we? You see, I, 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 and Pastor Tim, I will say to you that there are some people who refuse to cross the relationship barrier. Why? Because other people don't season their chicken. I'm not hanging around them. They don't season their chicken. And when it comes to music, no rhythm. I'm not hanging around there. It's not a vibe. And some of us, well, we won't hang around them. Have you tasted their food? It's so spicy. I don't like my food spicy. And when they get together, gosh, they're so loud. I wish they would be a bit quieter. I like my peace and quiet. Are we going to block what God is trying to do in our lives because of our palate? What about the postcode issue? 
Do they live on the right side of Birmingham? What's your, what's your postcode, Tendi? Don't shout it out. <laughs> what about the car that they drive? Are they good enough for our assessment before we hang around with them? I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> Naomi was a Moabite from the lineage of Moab. You see, this, the Moabs were Lot's daughters who gave him too much wine and they did the unthinkable, go and read about that. And so she was very much aware of how different as a Moabite woman she was to Naomi and her people. She must have been aware of how prejudiced the Israelites were to the Moabites. However, she looked beyond those differences and the Bible says she clung to Naomi. The third and the last um, complexity I see here is that she had every reason for severance. Ruth's husband had died. There was no reason for Ruth to have hung around her husband. It says, till death do her part. But this woman actually says, no, I'm going to stay with you. You see, that is next level commitment. Because she's saying, I'm not just going to stay with you, but I'm going to forsake my gods and adopt your God. She had she had, they, these two had a divergence in belief. They had a diversity in culture, and they had every reason for severance. You see, long-term connections are more about the journey, like I said, and what God wants to do through you for other people and to you. Don't let the challenges in your connections blind you to what God wants to do through you for other people. Yeah. All over history, in the Bible, God uses people to advance his purposes, and in them, through the spaces that they occupy. So God wants to use you in this space. God wants to use you in your world. Sometimes we struggle to explain what makes people be joined together in the most unlikely of circumstances. How is it even our responsibility, but it is our responsibility through prayer and revelation. The Holy Spirit is there to reveal us, to peel down these complexities and get behind our own opinions. You see, it is our role as individuals. We're designed to play in our lives and vice versa. We ourselves need to get to work to maintain relationships. Identifying that, once you identify that it's our relationship, it's our responsibility, as Pastor Tim says, it helps us now begin to, uh, you look at the relationships in your world. Are they operating on the levels that they're supposed to operate. Now, this is not about who's more important than the other, because believe you me, if you've got an important person in your inner circle, you're probably somebody's outer circle. That's just the circle of life. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the relationships that you have. Are they operating within the gifting that they were anointed to be in your life? There is a literature, loads of literature out there about the principle of 312 and 72, leadership principles that Jesus used when he got his disciples. Reading that principle, go and read about it, but when you read those principles, I believe that those still apply to us in our relationship. Jesus calls 12 men to drop everything, and he says, come, follow me. These 12 had a unique relationship and connection to Jesus as he commissioned them to ministry. I think I've got scripture to kind of back that, but I'm not going to read that. We don't have much time. But however, amongst that 12, Jesus even had a closer relationship made up of Peter, James and John. He allowed these men to walk in a more intimate relationship than he did the 12. These are the three that he took to the Mount of Transfiguration. These are the three that he took when he was crying out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Beyond the three, behind the 12, there's the 72. 
And those 72 were people who also followed him and walked with him for the long distance, but still, they didn't have the connection or the intimacy that the three have or the access that the 12 had. The foundation to long-term connection is understanding the levels at which people in your world should be operating. Three, not the number, should be your inner circle. I'm not saying go and have just three and start kicking people out. They just need three is just, just a number that just symbolizes your inner circle. You should be able to define who is this person. Are these people supposed to be in your inner, inner circle? Then 12 is your circle of trustees and 72 is your community network. Now, how those people operate in your world and how you operate in, your, in their world will be determined by the gifting of that level that they are anointed to operate with in your life. The thing I'll give an example is this. If somebody's in your inner circle, they're meant to see your humanity. When you've got a 72 operating in a three, that's where you get tension because they were never anointed to see your humanity. They see the mountain of transfiguration and the freak out. They see Jesus sweating blood and they're like, whoa, listen, he's not even that holy. And, and then you come back and say, well, I don't know how that relationship ended. Are those people in your world operating on the level that they were gifted to operate? People are anointed to operate on specific levels in our lives, and it is important to identify where to accurately place our connections in our lives, as failure to that brings tension. Ruth understood this exactly, and that's where she placed Naomi in her life, establishing that, may, after establishing that, then she resolved, where you go, I will go. So three quick practical keys for longevity in relationship. I can't see very well how many minutes I've got left. And I will rush this through. I might finish quicker. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look at the time. But the first key I want to give you, once you've identified how people, what levels they're meant to be um, operating in your world. And listen, a three is not better than a 72. A 72 is not better than a 12. All I want you to take away is for us to assess the people in our world and understand whether they are anointed to be in the spaces that we have allowed them to be. Because placing people in the right places will give us the foundation for longevity. And once we've done that, then we go back to our scripture and we now look and say, we need to now adjust our attitude. And this adjustment of attitude is not a one-time thing. I've had to adjust my attitude with my friend Kyla for 47 years. Why? Because we've evolved as people. We've evolved as people. In verse 7, it says, where you die, I will die. And where I will be buried, may the Lord, and, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. She was a little bit OTT, but... It, <laughs> It's giving us the intense feeling that she felt about this relationship. Every relationship, there'll be conflicts, there'll be differences, there'll be mistakes. But what makes longevity stand out is our commitment and patience to overcome. We're in a culture where we are quick to cancel. I love social media, I do. I'll leave that alone. I'll you, you see, what, what makes longevity stand out is our commitment and patience to fix things instead of bailing out when things get tough. In my situation, my speaking truth to power wasn't saying, I want to go. It was saying, let's look at this again. I never intended to leave. So we have to have a commitment to fix things. 
You see, you need to be able to say to the people in your world once you've assessed where they need to be, I am with you for the long haul. It doesn't matter what you do. I have grace for your imperfections, Pastor Tim. <laughs> dedication is a crucial component of longevity in relationships. Without dedication, loyalty is scarce. There is lack of care and there is no incentive to better our relationships. The key to dedication, like I said, let's not be quick to cancel. Let's not be too prickly. Let our attitude be adopted of what could they have meant. And the only way you find out what they intended is if you allow them to have a communication platform with you. And I think Pastor Tim talked about ghosting. The block button. I blocked them. You know, have you ever seen, I always laugh, oh gosh, it might be somebody in here. Anyway, people, people will announce, right, I'm now going to cut people off my social media. I'm like, just do it. Now you're giving us, now you're giving us a job to go and check if we are the ones you've removed. You know, just do it. Long-term connections require individuals to dedicate themselves to friendship, put the time and the effort in for those relationships to work. Have an attitude of dedication. The second attitude adjustment is have an attitude of determination. And again, they wept and Opa in verse 14. And again, they wept and Opa kissed her mom, mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Even when there was an example, a get out. Opa is like two twos, I'm gone. She clung to Naomi, connecting to the most of unlikely people can take you to what God's destiny in your life and their life, and their life. Ruth saw something in Naomi that was beyond the circumstances and the complexities that I've talked about. Who's that person in our lives who stands out? Who's that person who there's a bit of tension in our world and we're not really sure we're on the cusp of using our spiritual scissors and, and we, what, we've got all the justifications for why they should no longer be in our lives. No matter what those connections face, when the Holy Spirit has been clear, he has grace. He has grace to fix it, if you are willing. An attitude of determination, an attitude of dedication. And the last one is have an attitude... Attitude adjustment of an attitude of devotion. In verse 16, it says, but Ruth replied, do not ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. You see, this is noble, even an outstanding commitment, but Ruth's commitment to Naomi went even further. He says, and your God will be my God. My God, it's bigger than a change of an address. Your God will be my God. Now, I read somewhere. No, I think I'll just tell the truth. And the reason is this. My long-term suffering connection there, who happens to be my husband, judges my TikTok <laughs> consumption. Don't judge me. Listen, mothers out there cleaning TikTok, thank me later. But every time... <laughs> I come and I say, and there is a bit of wisdom there. You just need to find yourself in the right TikTok. It's a time waster, so I have to take it off my phone and then put it back on. Because sometimes you'll be scrolling and then you look up, it's like seven hours. <laughs> I've missed work, I'm still TikTok. But 
Anyway, what I was saying was this. I think it was TikTok, I'm not sure. But, and I've checked, fact-checked it. I can't really find the truth of whether this is scientifically true or not. Um, I can't find where it's come from. But the principle of what it said, I think, stood out for what we're trying to say today. And it said this. If you put 100 black ants in a jar, and you put 100 fire ants in a jar, nothing will happen. But if you take that same jar and you shake it, you see, what happens is the ants inside begin to fight each other. The black ants think the fire ants are the enemy, and the fire ants think the black ants are the enemies. And I thought, isn't that similar to what society is like? Young versus vintage. <laughs> Young versus in political affiliation versus another political affiliation. Faith or no faith, black versus white. And, and I thought to myself, you know, before we do anything in our lives, when we get to tension in our relationship, shouldn't the question be, who shook the jar? Who shook the jar? Now, I have been known, my husband will tell you, to climb out of the jar and shake it and jump back in <laughs> and have a good go. Don't be that. Don't be like Leah. Don't be like Leah, but who shook the jar? It gives us time to sit back. Because sometimes, for us in lasting connections, we need to be rooted in submission and commitment to one another, which leads to devotion to each other in life. And the connection that's bigger than our, that's bigger than our offense, a connection that's bigger than our opinion. It goes beyond political affiliation. It goes beyond color and cultural nuances. Ruth and Naomi was monumental because her entering into Bethlehem meant that she then found a man, Boaz. But then they had a son called Obed. Obed was Jesse's dad. Jesse was David's dad. Go down, down, down. Linked to Jesus Christ, entering the earth. The step of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Jesus, among us, the 12, he had Judas. He knew what this guy was going to do. But his mission for what Judas would be used for was greater than his offense over Judas's planned betrayal. God, Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. So nothing that Judas did really surprised him. You see, he wasn't quick to cancel that relationship because he understood that connection that he had for him was the bigger purpose than what he was about to do. We cannot do this relationship on our own. We can't. We need the Holy Spirit. And I think as I talk through, it's very easy to think, well, you've had a 47-year um, relationship. I've got many friends, and there are other ones I didn't use as an example because they wouldn't have fitted. So Kyla is just one of them. But for all of us in here, you know, we can't do this relationship on our own. It is only through our relationship that we have with Jesus that we can be successful to be devoted in our relationship, dedicated in our relationship, determined in our relationship. You see, you might say that, and, 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 and when you look at this, you look at the longest, longest, most sustainable relationship that you ever have is your connection with Jesus. Your decision to connect to Jesus will help you navigate the complexities in life, because it's exhausting Believe you, me, you cannot do this on your own. 
And I know that there's an opportunity for us to give our lives to Jesus at the end of this. But before I land, I want to pray for some people. I want to pray for some people who have been hurt. I'm a very unlikely candidate to be standing up here. I said to God, I don't even want your microphone. When they asked me to preach in my church, I said, no, I don't want it. Because I was hurt and I was afraid of commitment. So if that's you, I don't have much time. I just want us to have an opportunity to pray because you cannot do this life thing on your own. And you cannot begin this journey to long-term commitment if you cannot let go of past pain. So if you're hurting in any way, in any of your relationships, I just want you to, is that okay? I want you to come up here and I think the leaders, you come, let's not sweat this thing. If it's not you, that's cool, you know. But if you are hurt in some relationship and you are afraid to be committed for some sort. We won't ask any questions. We just want to be able to pray so that we can take that spirit of fear. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of fear off you and it gives you that kind of momentum to go forward. So I think if the band could come up, yeah. I also want us to pray for those who are in relationships that look like they're coming to an end it's hard whatever you do whatever you're trying it just doesn't seem to work we want to pray for you if you've been hurt afraid to commit you don't have to be one or two together so don't worry we won't be like oh they were hurt and they're afraid to commit but but if you're hurt and you're afraid to commit and the concept of long-term relationship just makes you shiver and break out in a rush then that's for you If you're currently on a journey and it seems like that relationship is coming to an end, I want you to come up and we can pray for you. So, in fact, there's there's the other category of those who are in spaces where they feel they're not feeling heard or seen or accepted. Yeah. Shall we pray? Shall we pray? I'll just give people a few minutes to run up here and the leaders will stand up and come and pray for people yeah yeah you people are beginning to come out just come to the front this is a, an amazing opportunity just to bring Jesus by afraid to commit into these moments afraid to commit because you've been hurt in spaces where you don't you feel like you don't belong Lord I pray you touch your people I pray that you touch your people in ways like they've never known leaders. Let there not be one person on their own. Let there be no, if you're a leader in this place, it's okay, isn't it? Of some sort, Pastor Tim, it's okay? Yeah? If you're a leader of some sort, please, you're used to praying for people. I don't want to see anybody alone. That Lord, anybody who's afraid to commit, everybody who feels like they, their relationship, whatever they're doing, is coming to an end. Everybody who feels like, my goodness, I don't feel like I'm understood or accepted in this place. This is your space this morning. Just as love to encourage, we need a few more people to come and pray. If you're a gastric group leader, if you're on team and you're free, just find someone, put a hand on their shoulder and just pray. Yeah. Lord, would you just touch your people? 
touch your people specifically today. We're not going to ask, this is not an interview. Just say, I want prayer. And the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Lord, I pray for your people who are here. I pray that you may just speak to each and every one of us in ways like we've never known. I pray that when people leave this place, they will not leave the same. I pray, Father God, that they've got a collusion course with destiny because we start with you and we end with you. I pray that you anoint their spirits, Lord. I pray that you take away all the hurt that they may be having, Lord. Every confusion, any, any relationship that is fragmented, Lord, you can heal it. You can heal it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.